Hi, welcome to Making Sense with Movies. I'm Elena. I'm Claire. And welcome to the podcast. Do you want to explain what we are talking about today? Yes, today we are talking about superhero movies, which is something we're both very excited about. We decided with the end of 2020, we kind of wanted to look to 2021 with a more kind of upbeat, positive note, and I feel like superheroes really embody that. Yeah, and this is definitely, uh, at least in the past two years, this has grown to be, I'd say, one of definitely the biggest money drawler at the box office and probably the biggest genre out now. Like, everyone's trying to get their hands on the different uh, superhero IPs. Um, so uh, the first movie that we're talking about today is uh, Wonder Woman from 2017 uh, by Patty Jenkins. And I would say this is probably the first or the biggest uh, woman-driven superhero movie that's come out, because even though there's been some before this, like, a Batgirl or Batwoman had it. No. No, Catwoman. Catwoman. Catwoman had a movie, but, like, this has been the first big one. Um, Elena, do you have any opinions on Wonder Woman? I love this movie. Um, I saw it when it came into theaters in the summer of 2017. Uh, I love Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. I think she did a really good job of embodying both, like, her naivety about, like, what's going on with the world, but she's still, like, a very strong person in general. And she's mm-hmm. she's not afraid of things that, like, other people would be afraid of, but she also, like, doesn't quite understand what's what, like, the modern world is like, at least for, like, yeah, the time no. period she's in. You know, I definitely agree with that. Like, she just brings such, like, she just has such a pure heart. And seeing her try to, like, encounter, like, World War One, which was such a horrible war, uh, basically, the plot of this movie, if you haven't seen it already, is we meet Wonder Woman on her island, which is, like, gorgeous, um, and it's all Amazonians who are these fierce women warriors meant to protect humanity and kind of drive them away from, like, the evils of the world. And uh, Wonder Woman gets pulled in to World War One, trying to find Ares, the god of war, and she's accompanied by uh, Steve Trevor, who she meets who crashes into the Amazonian island, and they're trying to end the war. Yeah, and what I liked about this is that you don't know if it's Ares who's actually, like, let's say, caused this war. The whole mm-hmm. idea is that, like, Steve Trevor is basically like, oh, it's, it's, you know, the worst wars, you know, all of mankind, and no one on the island, which is called the Mascaro or something like that, Mascara, they have no idea what he's talking about, and they're kind of, like, a very isolationist. Island, like, yes, they're very strong, but they, they don't go into, like, human problems very often. Um, yeah, just because the last time they did, they just lost so many people. So they spend, like, all of their days training um, in case that has to happen again. But they really try to stay isolated from everywhere else with this kind of magic that hides their island away from the rest of the world. Yeah, and it, it's basically just Wonder Woman, uh, Diana, who decides to go with Steve and to actually, like, protect everyone while everyone else just stays on the island. And she's in belief that it's Ares, but as you watch the movie, you're not quite sure. Mm-hmm. You're kind of like, oh, like, is, is, is this actually real? Like, is she right? Or, you know, is this really just a war? And she's finally, like, figuring out that, like, humans aren't all, aren't all good, which is what, like, her natural, like, belief is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the one thing I love about this movie is that most of it is, uh, or Diana Prince, just being like a fish out of water, like encountering the whole new world, which she's never seen before. And they could, they could have played it off as like, oh, like Steve Trevor and the people he's around, like, think she's such an idiot or like, they're like, oh, like this woman's crazy. she, She doesn't know what she's talking about. But they kind of just accept the things she's saying or like, they don't play her off as an idiot, which I think was a good idea because it could have been, like, the comedic beats in this could have been played off, like, making fun of Diana, but it's, like, her kind of in on the jokes, and it's, like, everything's just out of a, like, a good place in this movie, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree, and I think also, like, that naivety kind of plays to her advantage, like, in in the instance of, like, No Man's Land when mm-hmm. she decides to cross the front like everyone is like what are you doing and she was like i'm i'm gonna go help like that's what i'm here for and it's like a cool scene and she's like deflecting like bombs and everything it was great what i also liked about this movie i think in comparison to other dc movies and why i think the wonder woman franchise is just in general like 
honestly better than some of the DC movies that have recently come out is just because of, like, they bring color. Like, the entire um, mascara is, like, bathed in light and, like, greens and blues and whites. And I was, like, watching it, I, like, totally forgot because I had seen, you know, like, Batman vs. Superman, and that's all, like, you know, super dark colored. And I think it's nice that they brought color back into, like, a superhero you know, universe, especially if there's that scene where she wears that beautiful blue dress. I was just about to say that, yeah. Um, yeah, no, definitely all the colors and all the set designs, too, just because uh, it, it's a world that feels lived in, and you can kind of tell that they were actually, like, on a set or, like, actually built things around them instead yeah. of just, like, CGIing them in, which, uh, like, they have the resources for, but I feel like in this movie and um, the... Uh, Wonder Woman 2 recently came out, and they all seem to be, like, filmed on sets, which is something I always appreciate, just because it makes it everything feel more real. Yeah, I definitely agree, and I think I also liked that it not only was this, like, kind of a Wonder Woman origin story, it was also kind of, like, a bit of, like, a not, like, a buddy comedy, but, like, kind of, like, a team. She has that team that she's with going to go stop the, like, gas, uh, the poison, um, so they don't kill more people. And I like how they kind of, like, teamed up with other, like, societal, like, um, outsiders. Right, right. Because it's uh, Charlie, who's, like, the sharpshooter. Uh, the chief, who's, like, staying out of the war, but is, like, good with uh, directions and lets them know, like, where people are headed next. Um, and then Samar. And what I do like about these characters is that they're not throwaways. Like, they all have their own moments and, like, have a chance to say, like, oh, I'm fighting this war, but, like, what I really want to do is, like, become an actor. Or, like, yes, Charlie's good at shooting, but, like, this isn't what he wants to do. Like, he's gifted in some other ways. And they actually do commit, like, the scenes to each of these people, which I feel like one of my biggest pet peeves in movies is, like, introducing a group of people and kind of trying to convince you that everyone here needs each other when they're not allotted a certain amount of, like, screen time to actually show why these characters are important. Yeah. Um, and what, like, Diane's impact was on these characters and vice versa. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was uh, really well done. I agree. Uh, and I also, one of the other things that I was just thinking of is, in addition to, like, or... You were mentioned before how they uh, this was in, an introduction to the character, and they have this one scene where they're talking about the past of the Amazonians, and that's all done in a very like portrait esque way, yeah. almost like you're looking at a like a classical image that's moving. Uh, if you remember that part, no, I yeah, that, that was, was like, the really cool and makes this movie different from uh, other superhero movies. Yeah, well, it has the exposition of, like, how the Amazonians came to be, but it was very, like, well done and, like, wasn't boring. Like, it was fun to look at. Um, the one thing, like, I didn't like about this movie is probably, like, the fact that there, it actually was Ares the whole time. So the whole movie, she thinks it's, I think, one of the German generals who is Ares and who has started this war. But in reality, it's one of the British men who is Ares and who was basically like, um, look, like, I didn't actually start this war I just gave the humans ideas and they're the ones who have decided to do this and I kind of liked the idea that it wasn't actually Ares because like Diana has this very optimistic view of of humans and the idea that it was actually like people who could be destroying each other I thought would be more interesting than it being just like a god who's doing it mm-hmm and I, like, they kind of tried to remedy it by him saying, like, oh, I didn't really do this. But I'm, like, it's still less interesting. And then because it was Ares, um, sh- they had to have this huge, like, CGI battle, which I kind of didn't like. That's, like, the my one very big issue with DC in general, like, their movies. They rely very heavily on their CGI kind of, like, monsters. And mm-hmm. they just don't – I don't know who does it, and I don't mean to, like, insult them, but I just don't personally like the way it looks – it just doesn't mesh very well, and, like, I was excited when I was seeing this movie where you didn't see this big, very heavy CGI, like, it was very character-driven, where I feel like in other movies it's not. It's kind of the yeah. opposite. Yeah, no, I definitely do agree with that point that at the end of most DC movies, it ends in, like, this fight between, like, your main character and your CGI villain, 
I personally, and I do know that like a lot of other people have the same problem with the ending of Wonder Woman. I personally don't mind it as much just because I feel like it's, I thought the fight was at least interesting enough compared to other movies. Um, Cause you have dialogue back and forth between Wonder Woman and Ares sort That's of just true. like talking about not like hardcore philosophies of life, but kind of there, like there's dialogue back and forth and it's, inner um like it's split up between chris pine's character steve like also doing stuff with his group yeah so it's not like you have a 10 minute fight sequence that's just like oh i don't see what's going on here and there's just like a bunch of cgi hoopla um but i yeah it could have been stronger at the end there um and it would have been interesting to see like where the movie would have gone if Ares wasn't in it um and, like, what Wonder Woman would have said about, like, these, like, my philosophy is wrong and it's just the humans fighting each other. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know, like, what kind of ending that would have been, but it certainly would have been interesting. Yeah. I also really like the chemistry with Gal Gadot and Chris Pine. They have, like, such great chemistry together. Like, I believed it. Um, he was also a great character. He kind of plays what is essentially, like, some, a bit, like, he has a bit bigger role than, like, female characters in other superhero movies more like kind of older superhero movies where like she kind of has to keep saving him yeah like, he he has his own agency and he does he does like have his own like, obviously at the end of the movie he kind of sacrifices himself but even throughout the movie he does have his own sense of agency but wherever he thinks he needs to save her she's like no, no like i can take care of myself you're the one that actually needs to be saved mm-hmm. which i liked because mm-hmm. it did like flip it on its head a little bit and then I also liked, well, I don't know if, what her name was, but, like, Steve's, like, secretary who, like, teaches Diana, like, the current um, way to be a woman. Oh, Ada. E-T-T-A. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but, yeah, no, she was definitely a fun character. Yeah. Um, she wrote a lot of good humor to the yeah. movie. I think uh, two of my favorite scenes were... When Wonder Woman's eating the ice cream and she's like, this is, like, great. You should be so proud. Yeah. And when she sees the baby and she's just like, a baby, and goes running up to the baby. She's just so happy and it, like, kind of just, I don't know, her energy just brings everything to life. That's true. I love when um, they're going to, like, a meeting and Steve's like, you can't bring your sword. And she just, like, hands <laughs> it off to Ada, like, the sword and the um, shield. And she's just like, I guess I have to go, like, find somewhere to put this. <laughs> This is yeah. great. Uh, overall, I think this movie is just done very well. And I just, to me, it's really meaningful. Um, especially the beginning the beginning of the movie, seeing all the Amazonian warriors, like, practicing yeah. their fighting. Uh, I think I might have cried. I definitely cried watching this in the theater just because it's, like, very, I don't know. Like, you don't get many movies where there's, like, a bunch of strong women character on screen, like, all together at once, where there's just so many of them at once. Yeah, especially... And you kind of forget that, and you're just like, holy shit, like, this is insane. Especially also, like, directed by a woman, the fact that there were, like, women behind the scenes as well, I think kind of what makes this movie great. I mean, in that kind of note of people behind the scenes that represent, we have our next movie, which is Black Panther, um, directed by Ryan Coogler, who, um, if you don't know, also directed the first Creed movie and is executive producer on the other Creed movies, I really like those movies. I have not seen... Well, we could definitely talk about Creed another time. I haven't seen those movies, but I've been meaning to. Yeah, so I'm, uh, a, I'm already a big fan. Um, I also saw this movie in theaters. I don't think we saw it together, did we? No, I don't think we did. I forget when I saw Black Panther. Um, but I really like this movie. Uh, one of the things I love is how they don't waste time getting you right into the history of Wakanda. Like, it I kind agree. of opens up. And they're, like, starting the story already, like, wasting very little time. Yeah, this um, this movie moves very quickly. Um, and the one thing, um, just, like, noting, it won three Oscars, which is, like, unheard of for any superhero movie. It won for costume design, score, and production design, which I think is very well-deserved. The music oh, and nominated for oh, Best, Best Picture. Picture, which it, it definitely had a shot. This is really well done, and I think that just shows to the people behind the scenes and all the actors about what could be done when you give people like the opportunity because this is like one of my favorite like Marvel movies Mm -hmm. um and the reason I like it so much 
is because it gives you this opportunity to experience like a different culture than anything that Marvel has experienced. So it's just, it's a really good world building movie where you get to know the history, you get to know different, how different people are kind of reacting to things and everything kind of has a purpose where I feel like in other Marvel movies, it's kind of a lot of the same. Like you're in the same world and but they're not necessarily like expanding on it all the time. Or this one, it was just so different. It was mm-hmm. just always interesting. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that because so many of the Marvel movies just take place in just like random cities where yeah. it's like, oh no, like New York is in danger again. Oh my gosh. Um, and in this one, you're in Wakanda, obviously, and it's kind of, uh, well, you've got this really intense technology, which was so cool to see. Like, one of my favorite things was um, they've got these little, uh, like, round balls, and if there's a, a bullet wound, you put it in the bullet wound to, like, speed up the healing process. Yeah. And they've got these, like, 3D maps to track down, like, uh, different trucks in the area. And just, like, technology that we've never seen within the MCU universe. Um, and... The reason that they're hiding Wakanda is it's powered by... Um, vibranium. Vibranium, yeah. Uh, like, the, the whole city is powered by vibranium. And there's this conflict um, within Wakanda trying to figure out, like, we have all these resources. Should we be helping the world or, like, continuing to stay hidden? Yeah. So I, I like that, wow, there's fighting going on between the Wakandan people and... Um, our, our main villain, what's his name? Oh, Kill- played by Michael B. Jordan, yeah. or Killmonger, who's definitely, I think, one of the best villains in the MCU. Yeah, I agree. Um, so he's fighting for his right to the throne, and once the Wakandan technology spread everywhere. So there's just, like, a lot of good, like, there's a lot of good fighting sequences, but there's also a lot of good, like, um, power and, like, conflict behind what they're fighting for. Yeah, so if you haven't seen Black Panther, we suggest you see it. But essentially, it follows T'Challa, who um, is the king of Wakanda, a.k.a. Black Panther, who it becomes known that, um, like, vibranium is basically being stolen. And this kind of sets off a bunch of chain reactions to essentially um, Killmonger, who is the son of um, T'Challa's dad's brother. So they're, like, cousins. And he basically wants to rule Wakanda not only so he could rule, but also that he could give the technology to everyone else around the world. Um, because his his kind of ideas is like, why are why do you, why does everyone here get to be so powerful and like not realize the struggle everyone else um, is experiencing? Like, why don't you help them? Which is something his yeah. father had also thought about, and um, which you see kind of throughout flashbacks as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but what's really interesting about that, I think, is that, like, he wants to give the weapons around the world for, like, kind of, of like, violent reasons. Uh, but meanwhile, you have Lupita Nyong's character, who has a, uh, or it, she's the ex of T'Challa. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're still, like, working together because she, like, she's out saving people, like, stopping kidnappings and whatnot. She has the same ideas, of, but just in a very different way of, like, the people need our resources. Obviously, like, she doesn't want to give out weapons to people around the world. I agree. And then specifically, like, um, it's mentioned throughout the whole movie that the people they're talking about are kind of um, other Africans, African-Americans specifically, where mm-hmm. kind of the ideas that, like, Wakanda kind of subverts the stereotype that all African countries are like third world you know poor Wakanda is very rich like you one of the first scenes you see is them flying around Wakanda and it's like a bustling city and I thought that was also like a really good way to kind of integrate it into the rest of not only the Marvel world but like our own world yeah Um, no I I do love Killmonger his introduction scene is amazing Mm -hmm. where he essentially like is talking to a gallerist, and he's like, oh, like, what's this? What's this? And she's like, oh, you know, it's from this tribe. It's from this. And then they get to this one weapon, and he's like, no, you're wrong. Like, this is vibranium. This is from Wakanda. And then they set up this whole trap in order to get it. 
And one thing I do really like is that not only do you, like, feel for Killmonger, but he is incredibly smart. Like, he basically contraps this whole plan with, um, I forgot what his name, but the other guy who steals Vibranium. Oh, yeah, um, play, um, Ulysses Claw. Yeah, Ulysses, Ulysses Claw, yeah. yeah. Played by Andy Serkis, and it was fun also seeing him, um, to not in CGI, because typically he's known for playing, like, Gollum and, um, I don't know, one of the, the Caesar from Planet of the Apes. So it was yeah. fun to see him act, like, not, um, not covered in CGI. Yeah, and he essentially uses, um, Ulysses to get to Wakanda. Like, he ends up killing him, which was, like, a big shock. I remember when I was watching it. Um, and he uses it to basically kind of take over. So I really liked him. I wish they would have spent more time in Wakanda. And they could, now that with Disney+, Plus, this is something you can delve into more, but I want to know more about just, like, the everyday goings-on of, like, the Wakanda people. Uh, because to me, that was really interesting. Just this, of the few scenes we had where they're just, like, walking down the street and you could see everyone and all of the costumes, which are like all really intricate, intricate and driven by different, um, different cultures within Africa. Yeah. And that's like the inspiration for them. Um, and she, I think the, uh, the woman who did the costume, she won. Yeah, she did. The Oscars. She did right? win. Um, yeah. And that's very, very well deserved because the costumes were all, um, like so colorful and like just wonderful. Uh, to look at. Yeah, and then I, um, I also like how the movie is also kind of, I think also like very character driven. It's about kind of T'Challa's own journey to kind of not, not like understand what his father did, but also learn from it. Mm-hmm. And I thought like that was very well done. Ozzy paid played by Chadwick um, Boseman, who unfortunately passed away, but he did a really good job and gonna miss him as T'Challa. Yeah, no, I, I complete yeah, just like gone too soon, did, had a great, a great life, and I wish, obviously, just horrible what happened, so. Overall, I think this is a very well, well done movie. I think if you haven't seen it, you, I think definitely should. I don't even think you need to see other Marvel movies. Like, T'Challa is introduced in Civil War, but, like, they, I don't really think you need to see Civil War in order to see this movie. This could be its own standalone because it's very much ingrained within, like, Wakanda themselves. Like, they don't reference other, you know, superhero superheroes or anything like that that you really, like, would get confused about. Um, but overall, very, very well done. Um, any other last notes, Claire? Well, I was going to ask, do you have, like, a favorite scene? Oh, I told you, the, um, when Michael B. Jordan is introduced as Killmonger, that entire sequence just, like, is such a good introduction to his character. Like, how well thought thought out he is, how he's kind of, like, you know, anti-authority. Yeah, it was just amazing. The music is also so good on this, in this movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, Black Panther's music is definitely very distinct from both the score and the actual, like, soundtrack. They got great yeah. artists on this. I remember listening to it, like, nonstop for, like, a month. <laughs> um, but this brings us to our next movie, which is Spider-Man 2. Mm-hmm. Directed this- by uh, Sam Raimi. Uh, yeah, and this is definitely my favorite uh, superhero movie growing up, just because, like, uh, I, I think Tobey Maguire does a great job as uh, Spider-Man, and I think this movie has a good combination of being, like, it has a lot of humor and doesn't take itself too seriously, but then you also have scenes that are just, like, almost from a different genre, I'd say. Like, the one scene where Dr. Octopus is, like, being operated on and all of his limbs start just, like, flying everywhere and, like, knocking out all the doctors. I agree. Like, that scene, when I still watch it, is still, like, scary to me. Yeah, I wrote that down in my notes. Like, it felt like a horror movie. When, like, that specific scene was happening. I like this movie. I've seen it. I haven't seen it in a long time. I do think Peter Parker is really annoying in this movie. <laughs> really? Because he, and I think, I, I think it's because they don't give the other side characters enough material. Because it's mainly about, like, his internal struggle to be both Spider-Man and Peter Parker. But, like, he, like, he likes Mary Jane, 
but then he, you know, he doesn't tell her, her um, his feelings. He, like, he's very flaky and, like, you're supposed to feel for him when she, you know, when she decides not to be friends with him. But I was siding with her. Like, he, he yeah, never no, lets I himself be known. Because she was given so many opportunities to go see her on Broadway. I know. It's just, like, a, a huge accomplishment for anyone. And he just... <laughs> it, the one thing they did get across really well is that Peter Parker has major time management issues. Yes. But, like, there comes, there comes a point, and even, like, she mentions that, like, you couldn't even make an eight like, an 8 p.m. show, um, it's mm-hmm. like, dude, like, what are you doing? Like, he can't go to class on time, and the whole idea is, like, oh, he's also Spider-Man, but it's, like, come on. Like, yeah. if, if you expect to keep these people in your life, you have to make some sort of effort, and I just think that, like, they kind of, like, pushed both, both kind of Harry Osborn as well, who was, like, much more prevalent in the first movie. They both kind of pushed both of them off to the side. Like, there's not much character development for, like, either of them like Carrie Osborne like a little bit but like Mary Jane like she doesn't change from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie you know yeah like she yeah. just su- towards the middle of it though like Mary Jane kind of she does distance herself from Peter and does uh she gets she gets engaged to the astronaut which oh, yeah. actually I always thought that part was hard to watch just because just for nostalgic reasons, like, and this is one of my favorite movies growing up, I could see how Peter is annoying in this, but it's one of those things where it's just like, oh, but I, I love this character. So I always do feel bad for Maurice there having to take pictures of Mary Jane and then um, the John Jameson yeah. um, getting engaged. I do think, like, this is the most, like, comic book-like movie that we kind of have on this list. Like, the way J.K. Simmons as the police reporter is very much how I imagine, like, the comic books to be. There's one scene where Dr. Octopus is stealing money from the bank, and literally all of the bags of money are, like, white canvas bags with, like, a dollar sign on it. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I definitely love that, because you really could just, like, take shots of this movie and just, like, slap it onto a comic book and be like, yeah, that I could have seen, like, that was the drawing from the comic book. Yeah. If you um, don't know... And especially, like, the characters who are just totally, like... Like, J. Jonah Jameson is just, like, at a 10 for a comic book character. Like, he's just as eccentric as you could make a character like that. And yeah. I'm glad... Oh, gosh. What's the guy who plays J. Jonah Jameson? Um, J.K. Simmons. Oh, great. Yeah, J.K. Simmons. Like, he's so good, he's been cast, like, again in the new Spider-Man movie, playing literally the same exact character. Well, so is there's a lot of people from, like, the first, like, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man and then Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man who's been cast in the new Spider-Man movie, which I think is interesting. Um, But if you don't know who, like, the main villain is, um, it's Dr. Octopus. I kind of, his, like, first name is, like, also has to do with Octopus. Um, And essentially... He, with, like, Oscorp, which is Harry Osborn's company, um, he just, he's, like, wants to do this, like, energy, which, to be quite honest, you don't really know what it is. Like, they just use a lot of big words. I don't know if any of it is scientifically correct. <laughs> um, but eventually a way to get clean energy that's cheap. And obviously it goes wrong. Peter says it's going to go wrong, and it does, and it kills his wife. And he, to kind of control this energy, he has these four metal arms that he controls, but when everything gets out of control, the metal arms have their own, like, AI, and they kind of take over, and, um, this is, like, where my problem with the Spider-Man villains come, Claire. Um, I I was thinking of this last night, so if you've seen both Spider-Man 1, 2, and 3, which I have, I kind of feel like all of the villains are essentially, like, the same person. Like, it's a person who is not evil to begin with, but some experiment goes wrong that causes them to be evil. But in the end, they're not necessarily an evil person. Especially Spider-Man 1 and 2. Like, it, they're very similar. And I'm just, like, a little bit annoyed. Because I'm like, you could have been a bit more, like, uh, creative. Because if you really yeah, think, like, they, Goblin and Dr. Octopus are two men who have who are brilliant men who are in charge of, you know, one's, like, you know, weapons company, one's his own scientist, who an experiment goes wrong that turns them into an evil villain that plagues Spider-Man, and then they both die at the end. And see, I don't 
don't really mind that. Just I do see your point. I just think it makes her a more compelling villain when they're. Like, I wouldn't call it lazy writing at all. I just think it's. For me personally, it's more compelling that there are two characters with a direct connection to Peter. It kind of makes the story a little bit smaller, in my opinion, which I personally like, especially for uh, the Spider-Man movies, since like he's only like New York-based, really. Yeah. Um, and it kind of has adds to me this layer of Peter can see that like this isn't their fault, and like he's trying to find other ways to like solve the problem besides like of another villain where it's just like, oh, they're just straight up evil. Like, I'm going to kill them the first chance I got. There's just, like, more of this conflict because, like, um, for the Green Goblin, it's like, oh, it's Harry's father. Like, I can't kill my best friend's father. And then, like, oh, which he doesn't. Uh, the Green Goblin kills himself at the end. And then Dr. Octopus works like, oh, but he's brilliant. He's my mentor. Like, he doesn't, like, does he really mean what he's doing? Or is it just, like, the arm? Yeah. Um, so I, I've always liked that about the Spider-Man movies, and I much compare those kind of villains to, like, some of the other MCU villains, or even, like, we were just talking about in Wonder Woman, where it's like, oh, like, our CGI bad at the end of the movie. I agree. I agree. There's, I just, like, I don't know. I was just, like, it's literally kind of the same thing. I kind of wish they, like, changed it up a little bit. Like, the difference is, like, one's a goblin and one's, like, an octopus, but, like, that's how it is. Um, yeah. One of my favorite scenes is when he stops the police car, like, midair with all the webs. Mm-hmm. That was really cool. I to- also, I've always liked about this movie that the the attention to the, all the extras in the background, because yeah. in so many superhero movies, you just have, like, all these actors and actresses running around in the background. It's like, you're supposed to care about, like, the destruction of this city mm-hmm. when, like, you you can kind of never do when it's just like, oh, there's all these random people running around, and it's like, obviously you don't want to see people get hurt, but they never give any characterization to the people, and it's totally the opposite in all the Spider-Man movies. It's like, they spend a lot of t- time establishing, like, they're, they're all New Yorkers who care about each other, and there's the one scene on the train where they end up taking off Spider-Man's mask, and then they're all, like, talking amongst each other, like, oh, my gosh, like, he's just a kid. Like, he's no older than my son. Yeah. I did, I did like, like that. Kind of, even though they're like, oh, he's just a kid, like, he's, like, what is he, in college or grad school right now? No, he's supposed to be in college, but he's played by a 30-year-old man. So, like, it's kind <laughs> yeah. of hard to discern his, like, actual age he's supposed to be. It says in the movie that it was two years after Uncle Ben died, so he's supposed to be 20, He's played by someone who's 10 years older. So, yeah. And he looks like he's in grad school, so he could be, yeah. like, 26. Um, <laughs> but one... I did like the train scene when he's trying to, like, stop Dr. Oppos and also stop the train from, like, going off the tracks. Thought that was really cool. Um, but also, my sister, while watching this movie, was like, was like, how is he... Like, how is Spider-Man strong? Like, he's supposed to be, like, the powers from a spider. <laughs> Like, I don't know, are spiders? I, I, I can't really speak to that just because I don't know a lot about spiders. But he's, he's, he's like, unnaturally, like, obviously he's unnaturally strong, but he's, like, incredibly strong for someone. I guess when I think about spiders, I don't think about, like, strength. But that happens when you watch um, a movie with my sister. She has random questions to ask. Um, yeah, no, I, uh... I also think this movie is full of, like, very cringy moments. Like, when um, Peter is, like, to, to MJ... Like, oh, I read poetry for you. And then he starts to <laughs> recite poetry to her, and she's like, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, that's like, yeah. Not not what a woman wants to hear, honestly. You yeah. might think it's, like, edgy and cool, but... It's not. No, it's not. <laughs> and then also, like, oh, yeah. um, like, at the end, like, MJ's, like, kind of not involved in any of the spider, like... Spider-Man parts of this movie, he, she's obviously all in the Peter Parker, and then they, like, combine when, like, Dr. Octopus takes her, which I was like, that was kind of unnecessary. I don't really think, like, Peter Parker needs to be cons- consistently, like, saving MJ, um, but it's also, like, when she figures out, like, Peter Parker and Spider-Man are the same person, as well as, like, Harry also figures that out, mm-hmm. so there's obviously setting up conflict for, like, the third movie. I don't know. I just think they did MJ dirty here. I, like, liked her in the first movie, and I was watching this, and I was just like, 
all she does is just want someone who's, like, there for her and doesn't play with her feelings, and Peter does all of these things. <laughs> okay, yeah, that, that's true. Especially because there's that one scene that I always think of where it's uh, Harry and her in the kitchen together, mm-hmm. and they're being so cute, and they're, like, making breakfast and listening to music, and it kind of does make me think, like, Harry and her would have been good together. I agree. At the end of the movie, when MJ and, like, Peter get together after she leaves her wedding for the for Peter um, and goes to his very poorly um, apartment in her wedding dress, I, that's it should be much dirtier than it is. Um, I, oh, I, I, especially I, because he basically does the same exact thing in the third movie as well. I forgot what happens in the third movie. I know, like, they're, like, weird Peter Parker stuff. Um, but basically I was like, I was like, I don't like them together. Like, why are they together? <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's, that's super fair. Another thing, one of my, I think my favorite scene is this, is, uh, when Peter is getting his life together again and he's kind yeah. of putting away the Spider-Man life and they play that montage with raindrops are falling on my head, that song. Oh yeah. I don't know why that, like, that song is just ingrained in my head after this movie, like, it's just such a random, random scene and, like, random song to have a montage, but it just kind of works. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. Um, overall, I think it's, like, a, it's a good, like, Spider-Man movie. Um, and I think it does a good job of, you know, doing the struggle between being Spider-Man and being Peter Parker. Um, it's just some of the side characters don't necessarily, like, get that. I understand, like, it's about Peter Parker, but it's also about, like, his relationship to other people. Yeah. Yeah, no, overall, uh, I think Sam Raimi did, like, a great job with this movie, and I personally would still think that either this movie or Spider-Man 1, I still think it's the best Spider-Man movies we have. And I really like Tobey Maguire, which a lot of people don't. He's um, not my favorite. He's good. He's just, like, I don't know, not my favorite. Um, But we can discuss that another time. Our next movie is The Incredibles, which is our first animation movie we're talking on the podcast. Yeah, which um, is kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, so The Incredibles from 2004. Uh, everyone kind of knows this movie. Um, and this was one of the the first superhero movies before, like, the big, like, superhero movie boom. Yeah. Um, and it, it, that, I, that was always really interesting just because it does play on, like, a lot of the tropes that agree. we all think about today when we think about superhero movies. Like, one of the things I wrote down is uh, Rozone at one point is like, oh, like the villain he was fighting had, was like monologuing. And I'm like, that's so funny. Yeah, I made I made a point of that too because like villains do that all the time. And I think also this movie, if you like really watch and pay attention, like has some like very good like ideas. So the like one of the things is like there were superheroes. It starts out like a very kind of documentary style movie about superheroes and about like their fall. And the idea was, like, oh, um, Mr. Incredible, who's, like, super strong, he saved a man from suicide. But that man yeah. decided to sue him because he didn't want to be saved. Which is, like, a very, like, interesting question for, like, a like a kid's movie to be asking. That's one of the things that I, di- like, I didn't understand. Me well, either. Like, I was a kid just because it's, like... It's such a serious thing that you wouldn't expect, like, that could never kind of be in a Disney movie now. Like, the question of, like, is Mr. Incredible responsible for the injuries committed while stopping someone from suicide? It's like, that's insane. Yeah, but this case basically opens up a bunch of cases where it's like, you destroyed the city, but for what? So everyone's like, stop saving us, and then um, all of the superheroes get kind of, like, shunned into just into just living normal lives. Um, but I thought, like, I really liked that beginning part because it kind of gives you this history as, like, what our characters are doing now, which you see in the beginning, it's um, Mr. Incredible and Elastigirl, and they end up getting married, having two children with their own super... Three children, two with their own superpowers. One, you don't know if they have superpowers or not. Um, but I think, like, I did... I do really like this movie. Um, I think they have a really good like, aesthetic and vision for kind of how everyone looks. Yeah. Like, it's, it's very fun to watch. I don't know, I, I really like it. What about you, Claire? Oh, yeah, no, I love this movie. One of the things that I like about this movie that I wish more superhero movies would do is that each character has their own distinct, like, 
Mr. Incredible is strong. Mrs. Incredible is flexible. Violet is can turn invisible and has like a force shield. Mm-hmm. And then Dash is fast, as per his name. Yes. Um, and you establish like a set of rules where it's like these are the things our superheroes can do in a fight. And I really like that because it makes the fight sequences more interesting because you just know what they can and can't do. Yeah. Opposed to, like, some other movies where it's, like, wow, like, a lot of... It leaves less room for ex machina moments where it's, like, oh, like, this superhero can all of a sudden do this crazy power that we've never talked about before. I and agree. it gives them more opportunities to work together as a group. Like, we see uh, one of my favorite scenes is when, like, Dash is running across the water and then him and Violet, like, work together to get away because he's running really fast and she's got her, like, circle shield around, um, like, around him um, to protect them. And you just see, like, even though they all have one or, or like, in Violet's case, two superpowers, uh, they actually have to work as a team to, like, get things done, which I really like. I agree. Um, So if you don't know what The Incredibles is about, so we told you, like, superheroes have gone into hiding and... It takes you through the Incredible family. So you have Bob, Mr. Incredible, who gets fired from his job at an insurance company and kind of gets recruited for some mysterious rich company on an island to defeat this kind of robot. And you don't really know kind of like what he does for the majority of his work there. You know, he's working with this woman who has a benefactor who you don't know. And as you're watching the movie, like he's the only one who knows about this. The rest of his family doesn't. You realize as you're watching it, he kind of gets caught, basically, because when he was in his superhero prime days, there was this little kind of little kid buddy who wanted to be like, you know, the sidekick to Mr. Incredible. Mr. Incredible was like, I work alone. Stop bothering me. And then it was like, Buddy was also kind of a danger to the kind of the superhero way. But Buddy was really smart. And so he decides he's going to be a superhero by killing all the other superheroes and then creating a machine that only he could control which i think is wild yeah because he ultimately wants to be like the superhero um and he created the robot to like send uh into a city to destroy stuff so then only he could be the one to defeat it since he's got the remote control Mm -hmm. and his like ultimate plan is to like because he doesn't have any like natural superpowers he's just good at creating things so his ultimate plan, say if everything went successfully, is for him to distribute his technology to everyone. Because if everyone was super like him, then no one could be super. Yeah, I, that's like obviously that comes from a place of hurt. Um, but he also like, like you, I feel like you kind of understand where he's coming from. But also like he killed so many superheroes just because yeah. like he wanted to be the superhero. But I think also, like, so once Bob is kind of, like, trapped on the island, um, his whole family comes to, like, rescue him. And I think um, Elastigirl is, like, one of the funniest characters. Like, she just has a lot of, like, physical humor because she can literally just, like, twist her body to do whatever. Like, she becomes a boat at some point. She's, like, a parachute at some point. She's, like, a, a slingy at some... Not slingy. Um, uh, whatever it is. Um... I don't know what I'm talking about. But, like, yeah, so, like, she can twist her body to do whatever. I always, I always think that's, like, so funny. Mm-hmm. All right, if you could have, out of all these superpowers, like, which one would you want to have? Probably Violet's. I think that'd be cool. Yeah, I think Violet does have, like, the most useful powers. Just, like, becoming invisible and, like, her force shield. Yeah. Um, Violet, growing up, was one of, the, like, my favorite characters. Like, I actually Same. remember in... It must have been, like, first grade or something like that. Like, I thought Violet was so cool, so I would always wear my hair in the same style. Like, <laughs> I would put, like, an absurd amount in front of my one eye, like, practically, like, a, like a eye patch almost. Oh, my me, God. I, I was sort of in that phase for a while, but I always thought she was, uh, she was really cool. And they kind of give them all, like, good character arcs, too. Yeah. Like, incredible learn to, like communicate they yeah communicate basically uh and help their marriage and then like violence always had like a self-confidence issue which is a, a good issue for her to have because it reflects like her wanting to be invisible yeah um which she 
gets over at the end of the movie because she like learns to control her powers and use them in the correct way mm-hmm. and uh has the guts to talk to tony at the end who uh was established earlier like her her crush and then dash who had always been like the opposite way who's like he wanted to use his powers she gets to go out for the track team which is i think one of the funniest scenes because yeah. they're like all screaming at him like no no like go slower go slower like go a little bit faster um, yeah, I like that scene. Yeah, I think also there's this like fun like little moments in this scene in this movie. Um, so when they're trying to, they're all like trapped on the island when he sends like the robot to a like whatever city we're talking about, and he goes, you know, um, Buddy goes to go like rescue them, and when they're trying to kind of like look 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 for a way to get back to the to the city so they can actually like save them. There's, like, they're, like, oh, where are all the guards? And there's all the guards, like, watching what's going on. And there's, like, one line where they say, every time, like, people run, let's take a shot. <laughs> Which I found so funny. Um, and also, this movie has one of the greatest uh, side characters, Edna Mode. Oh, yeah. The designer, she's amazing. I think she's only in, like, ten minutes of this entire movie. But she steals her scenes. She's great. Yeah, and... Yeah, yeah, you're right. No, like you were saying, even though she's only in 10 minutes, like, she's still a character that everyone knows and everyone still references. Yeah, she's very, like, noticeable. Um, cause just because she's funny, like, like I love when she's, like, r- like when um, Mrs. Incredibles, she realizes Bob has left, um, has lied to her, she's crying, and Edna's just, like, giving her a tissue and then throwing them into a fire, and then, like, also rolling her eyes, and she's like, get it together. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, the, the no-cape sequence, which, like, yes. in retrospect, is like, oh, my God, like, that's horrible. I know. It's a lot and of people die. All, cause, yeah, Edna's basically saying, like, no, we don't use capes because, like, capes get attached to things and end up getting the superheroes killed. No, it uh, makes sense. And, yeah. I'm trying to think of other things I like about this movie. Um, well, did you also, not to get off topic, but did you see the sequel? I did not see the sequel. Oh, okay. The sequel isn't as good as this one is, which I feel like you could say for all sequels, but yeah. um, this one is still just the OG. Like, I just, very solid plot, uh, characters you enjoy watching, very, like, smart, smart dialogue and jokes. I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, next, now our last movie, which would we could say has some smart dialogue, um, <laughs> is Batman and Robin. From 1997, this is the George Clooney Batman. If you've listened to our Film Bro episode, I talked about this a little bit um, when we were talking about The Dark Knight, um, as this being, like, a movie I watched, like, over and over when I was a kid and, like, really very much, like, loved this movie. So I thought we had to include it. Um, if yeah, you well, haven't... I want to hear about that. Tell me why, as, as a child, you, this movie uh, connected with you. I think if anything, you have Batgirl, you have, like, a female superhero doing her thing. Like, I've always wanted to be Batgirl. Um, I loved Poison Ivy. I loved Mr. Freeze. It was, like, a lot of fun villains. As I rewatch this now, almost, like, ten plus years later, do I think it is the greatest movie as I thought of when I was younger? No. But I think if you don't take this as serious as any DC movie, if you literally just watch it just for fun, you'll have a great time. Because one thing I love about this movie is the aesthetic is very, like, it's there. Like, they had Uh a vision, and they executed their vision visually. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Especially in the beginning scene, the thing that I like about it, besides, like, all the colors, is that it, it reminded me of, like, a stage show. Yeah. Like, there was just so much, like, the way everyone was moving around, it's like, this could have been, like, this could be a fun Broadway show. It could. I'm really interested about your thoughts, because I have seen this movie. I'm, I know this is your first time watching it, so I want to okay. know what you thought. I, I love this movie. I'm and so I'll happy. Why. I, I think more gravitate towards the Batman movies that don't take themselves seriously, just because I, my big qualm uh, with Batman in general is that, like, his character is super, super rich in this town or in this city, Gotham, that's like, like, just so much crime and stuff. And to take a Batman movie seriously, I always think, like, 
if he was really as smart as they say he is, he could be solving these problems like in a much better way than he is. Mm-hmm. So I, I always gravitate towards the, the Batman movies that don't take themselves seriously. So yeah, I had so much fun watching this movie and I loved Poison Ivy. She was definitely my favorite character. Oh, I agree. And I could totally like rewatch this movie and just like each time it could probably be just as fun. I love Mr. Freeze's um all of his ice puns, like I love bad puns. Like they they and, really decided to go with the ice puns for Mr. Freeze. One of my favorite things is that everyone has like their place. Like Mr. Freeze lives in a snowman that used to be um an ice cream factory. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like you can't make this stuff up, you know? Like Poison Ivy lives in what was a Turkish baths that's like in so much um you know like neon lighting and then puts some flowers in and creates this whole like mother nature um that like layer for herself like it's amazing yeah no it was all just it's so so fun to see just like all the different settings um yeah and i really liked uh dr freeze just because like you know at his core he just wanted to help his wife like he just loved his wife and i was exactly like oh my gosh like he's not really evil like he's he's just trying to bring his wife back to life yeah so Um, this movie has a lot of plots so just to kind of describe, like, what's going on. Um, so if you don't know about, like, how the Batman movies were, like, made in the 90s, they essentially made, like, continuous Batman movies, but they used different actors. So there's no, like, origin story or anything like that in this one. Um, so Chris O'Donnell, who plays Robin, was in the previous one, I think, with Val Kilmer, uh, Batman Forever. I think that was the one before this. And... The one before this, you're having the same guy who plays Robin, but not the same guy who plays Batman. So Yeah, that actually, like, really confused me, because I was expecting, I was like, and Nicole Kidman was in the last movie, so I'm yeah. like, wait, is Nicole Kidman's character going to show up too at some point? Nah. Uh, yeah, and then George Clooney's in this one. I thought George Clooney did a fine job. Like, this movie gets, like, from what I was reading, gets a lot of, like, so much hate. Which I just kind of don't understand because, like, if people are hating on this movie, they just don't like fun because this movie's just fun. I know it is fun. Um, so trying to figure out the plot. So Batman and Robin are trying to basically stop Mister Freeze from stealing diamonds and freezing over the whole city. And then you also see the origin story of both Bane and Poison Ivy in this movie. Which growing up, I had no idea it was Bane. He kind of wears like a wrestler, like a wrestler wrestler's um mask which kind of confuses me from like the christopher nolan bane but besides that you see both of their origins and then they work together because she basically just wants to save our planet everyone kind of like i guess like this was the 90s so like people didn't believe in global warming but she, she she was like humans are destroying our planet like he she basically goes up to um wayne like um bruce wayne and is like hey like you can be using this money for to help our planet you know like why are you doing it for other stuff and but she kind of wants to kill everyone so that she the planet could you know be reborn um and then while all of this is happening what's her name barbara um who's alicia silverstone is um pennyworth's like his i guess nephew no no his uh niece oh granddaughter maybe and both of her parents died oh yeah yeah no, she calls him Uncle Alfred. Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Oh, yeah, so she's the niece. Yeah, so she shows up, and she has, like, a whole racing history, and then there's tension between Batman and Robin, and then Alfred also has, like, a cancer um, background that's happening. Like, he's dying. So there's a lot going on in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it is two hours long, something I didn't necessarily enjoy, <laughs> um, but... There's so much that happens, You it kind of goes by faster than I generally thought it was. I do love yeah. the costumes in this movie. They're so over the top, it's amazing. You know, the costumes are definitely over the top, and they spend, like, a lot of shots. They like, do. <laughs> like, especially, with, like, the bat nipples, which are so funny. It's like, Batman has these, like, very protruding, like, nipple shapes on his suit, which kind of don't need to be there. But it's, like, it's funny. But they also show, like, direct shots of, like, 
his ass and his bolt. Yeah. Which is, like, ridiculous. But, no, no, it's so, it's so fun. Um, and I will admit, like, Poison Ivy in this movie is not necessarily, like, the greatest female villain. Um, She does do this thing, they do this thing to her where she was, like, ugly, I'm using air quotes, before, and then because she kind of, like, has all this poison, she becomes really hot. Mm-hmm. Um, And that's just, like, whatever. But I think if you ignore that part, which is just, like, it's the 1990s, they were going to do something like that anyway... Um, she's amazing. She uses her, her hotness to kill people by kissing them. And mm-hmm. to, she has, like, this powder, um, that makes everyone, like, fall in love with her so she can do whatever she wants. So it's amazing. Mm-hmm. I wish, um, Barbara was in it more often, though, because, like, she was on the poster and she was played by, um, Alicia Silverstone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's on the poster, which, like, I've seen the poster a bunch of times before. And I did think, like, her being Batgirl would be, like, more, a more prominent character. But she's really yeah. only, like, Batgirl for, like, the last half hour or so. That's true. She's definitely not, like, Batgirl. I don't know if this is kind of, like, her own origin story. So, essentially, like, Alfred is dying. And he gives her this, like, information. He's, he's like, oh, give it to, like, the right people. But she's like, nah, I deserve to know this. And it's basically mm-hmm. just all about, like, Batman. And so she goes to the Batcave and Alfred's basically, like... Um, not Alfred, but, like, a recording of Alfred is basically, like, oh, I made a suit for you, knowing that she, like, would be Batgirl. So, I don't know Uh if it was setting up for, like, another movie. Um, which I feel like it could have been, but obviously it doesn't. She also, like, you know, does racing, and she makes a ton of money, which is great. (laughs) Yeah, no, she was definitely, like, really cool. Uh, because, like, whenever you introduce... I feel like a character like hers, where it's like, oh, she's the nephew of Alfred, like, that could have gone, like, sorely wrong, and they could have just used her as, like, oh, like, she's the romantic lead for Robin, or something, like, stupid like that. Which, like, she kind of is, but... Yeah, they, oh, I don't know, I kind of don't think so. That's my one qualm with this movie. I, the guy who plays Robin, I do not think she's a good actor. I know. That's, like, yeah... Even it, it's fine for this movie because like it was still fun to watch. But he wasn't. He was another Robin though, in Batman Forever. Yeah, I think I had the same. Um, I don't know. I think he was taking that one probably a little bit more seriously than he was in this. Yeah, there's definitely like a shift between those two movies. <laughs> um, I do love the details in this movie. Like the the um observation tower was great. It's like this, like, kind of, like, Roman circular building that's literally put atop of, like, huge-ass bronze hands. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's the building. I don't know how you're supposed to get up there. But that's the building. Like, a lot of it takes place there. One of my also things, I was, like, as I was watching the movie, I was just, like, asking random questions. Um, so when you kind of see Mr. Freeze back in his lair, he's, like, watching movies um, like, with his wife, um, not with his wife, but, like, about him, with him and his wife, and there's one kind of, like, homemade movie where he gives her a necklace, and it's in front of a mirror, and it just had me thinking, like, who took that video? Yeah, actually, that's such a good point. Because you don't see the cameraman. He's clearly giving her the necklace. She doesn't have the camera, so then you're just thinking, like, who is randomly taking videos of, like, this random man giving his wife a necklace? (laughs) That's a very good point. Oh, I, did, I, I definitely did not think of that. I thought you were going to mention when he was watching, um, oh gosh, that one, A Year Without a Santa Claus, I think yeah. it was. Honestly, um, um, I wrote this down too, like, his personality is, like, snow. <laughs> yeah. That's, like, literally what it is. Like, anything that could have to do with, like, snow or eyes, like, they put it on him. I did like the costumes, like, he has these, like, henchmen that are kind of, like, basically hockey players, and then I remember, like, one of the costumes I really liked, besides all of Poison Ivy's costumes, was um, there's, like, this one girl in his, like, Mr. Freeze's lair who wears, like, this kind of, like, sheer plasticky, like, kind of dress. And then underneath, she's wearing, like, all these, like, snow-colored cloth. I don't know. I thought it was very cool. Um, uh-huh. I did find, and I think when I was, I like, kind of forgot this happened in this movie until I was watching it. So there's one scene where you're kind of, like, introduced to Poison Ivy, um, like, everywhere else is, where Bruce is having this 
fundraiser for the Amazon forest or whatever, a uh, rainforest. And there's like these, everyone is kind of dressed kind of weirdly. Like it's a, it's a weird party, but there are these like really fluffy, like gorillas, like mascots. <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden one of them starts dancing and it's poison Ivy. And she like, t- it's like, has this weird sexy dance where she's like taking off the gorilla suit. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I I was gonna write something down about that too, just because it was just so odd. It it was it was random, but like I enjoyed watching it and that party looked like so much fun. It did. Like I wanted to be at that party. I saw the the Batman credit card. Mm-hmm. That was also Oh, the Batman credit card. Yeah, because at one point they're like uh him and Robin are both under like poison ivy's Spell. Like, uh love potion. And they're like betting on who would take her home, I think. Mm-hmm. And he, and they were saying like all these super high numbers, like one million dollars, and Robin's like two million dollars. He's like, that's not fair. You don't have that money. He's like, oh, I'll just borrow it from you. Yeah, that was funny. I yeah, I think if you would like to be surprised, you should watch this movie. There's a lot of fun things in it. Oh, absolutely. After watching it once. It's got my full recommendation. Oh, great. I'm so happy you liked it. Better than Christopher Nolan's movie, in my opinion. (laughs) That's a big big ask, Claire. Yeah, kind of. But this is more fun. Yes. You know, sometimes you need that. I agree. Well, thank you for joining us um, for this episode. Join us next time. uh, mm -hmm. We'll see you in the new year. Yeah, happy new year. Bye. Happy new year.